And welcome back to Richmond Tiger Talk. My name's Nick. And I'm Andy. And we should start with an uh, apology. It's been uh, a couple of weeks since we've done a show. Um, it's a bit of unfortunate real life getting in the way, including some work travel. But now we're back and yeah, it, we are neck deep in the AFLW final series. So we'll obviously talk through that. Um, and the the second half of the show we're planning to uh, start the process for going th- going through player by player uh, yeah and uh, and we're aware that people often listen to off-season podcasts months after they're recorded so and they might not be as uh, obviously we are recording this on Wednesday. The AFLW final is on a Saturday. It's a knockout final. It's, it's the biggest deal. But if, some people listening to this may be listening to this well after the game's been played. So in the show notes, we'll put the time where we, we switch over to the off-season stuff. Because, mm. you know, depending on... Uh, particularly if things don't go well, you know, no one wants to listen to the preview <laughs> of a game that didn't go the, 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 yeah. didn't go the right way. So we're aware of that. But the podcast is uh, We Can Walk and Chew Gum and hopefully um, uh, meet the needs of our vast listenership, um, <laughs> uh, both in the immediate and long term. Well, I know it may be, may be the, the tyranny of the moment, but I did actually want to start with a question uh, I think was posed on uh, Twitter by a friend of the, uh, the show, Ryan, when talking about the decision to, to play the elimination final uh against North, at Punt Road, at the smaller venue. He asked, are we the baddies now? Ah, yes, the the gif. So, you know, this really interesting debate, Nick, and I've actually come to the point where I'm just enjoying both perspectives of it. <laughs> um, because, like... <laughs> You're a good good arguments on both sides kind of guy. In, well, in this case, I think it's true. And I, I will come to why I, I came around. Like, my instinctive... My instinctive sort of reaction to these things, particularly on this podcast, is to take the fan side because the the club has enormous cultural reach and power and ability to get its message out. Mm. And they have, and they are in control and they made this decision. And, you know, the vast majority of Richmond fans will back the club in no matter what. And and that's great. And as it should be, particularly after that they've been so successful, but I'm often interested in the counterfactual, but in this case, the counterfactual is really well known and um, both people we really respect in the fan ecosystem are quite upset. And also the, you know, there are, let's be honest, there is a crowd of people that who just love complaining about everything that happens in the AFL and then they've been loud and proud. Um, But, you know, very reasonable fan voices, and, and it is true. The 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 Collingwood um, final, the Collingwood Western Bulldogs final, got five thousand people. Um, you, you could reasonably expect that this final would have got around five thousand. They got more people to that than, than the two grand um, to the North Richmond game. It's a final, so some people definitely have been locked out, and we are the big club. And we normally, because we are lucky enough to play at the MCG, we can always be the side so on the side of let the fans in because we also happen to play well there. So it's it's kind mm-hmm. of a thing for us to say. But I, I do have an argument on the other side, but I've, I've spoken for too long without asking you what you think. Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit torn. I, honestly, my primary reaction was annoyance at giving up the moral high ground. <laughs> Completely we, reasonable. <laughs> that we have so enjoyed for so long. Yes, um, but, but we're probably 
you know, cheaply held, right? Like we were on the moral mm. high ground, but the, it, it, it was pretty easy for us to be on that moral high ground. Yeah, but it, but it's been. It wouldn't pretend that that's a, a short term thing. Like I've, uh, I've hated going to Cadenia uh, Park and uh, celebrated when we stopped having to to go there. I hated when we had to play away games against Carlton at Princess Park. Like the yeah, I'd, I've I've been at this for a long time. So no, I completely agree, and like I'm I'm 100 on your side on this argument. But I'm just putting the counterfactual. Of this is we've always played best at the game, the biggest ground with the most fans. Like it hasn't been. Like, there's been mm. no counterfactual to this argument. Of course, Richmond supporters, we've got a huge supporter base. We've always wanted to play at the ground. We play best at our home ground. And, you know, if other other clubs have to play their home home game at the MCG because their stadium's too small, well, sucks to be them. They shouldn't be these, you know, mm. insert, insert insult there that we have for these other clubs. But this is the first time where the shoe's on the other foot. Are we the baddies, as you say? <laughs> yeah. I do think there is, I hate to say it, but, you know, have we let Punt Road, uh, because we're planning to redevelopment, you know, probably Punt Road isn't isn't in as good a shape as a spectator venue as it, as it could be? Um, no, I mean, no, I mean, there's not. It's clearly the case. You know, why would yeah. you? Like, like, rationally, you're planning to redevelop it. You know, if you're planning to keep it longer, you would have, you know, whatever you feel about the Jack Dice stand, and you know I have strong feelings, but... You, you would have done something about the northern end goals instead of, you know, there's OH&S issues that you might have prioritised differently. But, you know, the, the, the redevelopment plan has been loud and proud and that that's the, the club's priority. So, you, you know, fitting an extra 500 people in at Putt Road hasn't been. Mm. Yeah. Brendan, Brendan Gow was, was talking up the redevelopment and getting the capacity to, to 8,000, which... Which you know is is obviously the logical way to go. Although I did, I thought, I thought a the the project hasn't got all the money it needs yet, and and b the my understanding was the spectator facilities sort of come in the second phase. But I might yeah, be. Yeah, that's my understanding too. The club's mm. not. I did actually check this, and the club's not uh, completely clear about it, but. You know, most of the time, supporters uh, supporters support a club because they want the employees to do well. Like there, there is no doubt that Richmond, you know, Richmond fans—they're basically they're completely invested in the employees of the football club, i.e., the, the players playing their best. This is the case where these facilities are the primary facilities are being built for the employees of the club, not for the fans. So, you know, this problem may be here in ten years' time. We don't know, but like the the budget. Like, I'd be surprised if it's uh, ten years. I reckon. I think they'll get the money for that, but uh, yeah. Well, I, I think, I, I, I think, I think it's it going to take stage. a little while. Yeah. I think it's it's going to be harder. The, the momentum won't be as strong for the for the second stage as it will be for the first, because the first stage, like if you look at the, the the rationale that the government gave money, both governments gave money for, it wasn't having for stands to have nice sets in the other. Anyway, I feel we're getting distracted here um, mm. from for the initial. So, so we're going like we're both economists, so we're going to the causality issues. But it's, this is more about the immediate issue and, and the club's decision. And on the other hand, which we haven't said the other hand, like mm. I can completely understand yeah. the, the players wanting to play that. They they train there all the time. They yeah. will feel comfortable there. Anyone who knows, you know, you, you train yeah. on the ground, you get yeah. to know the, the circles. We've played, it. We've, 
unambiguously played our best football there. Um, and guess and guess what? It's a windy ground, and it's it's got some wind quirks. And on windy days, we've done quite well there. And yeah, and and you know that that's clearly as sorry I interrupted you when you were about to actually give the the, the hard evidence of why they would think that way. Well, absolutely. You know the uh, we, you know without going through all the games, you, you know the beating Brisbane was one of the upsets of the the season, um, and certainly our best win ever. Um, the game against the the Crows, and um, we were right in it. You know, we beat Hawthorne very easily. Like, in, we we've played really well there this year. I like, I I understand and support that if that's where the team wants to play, that's where they should play. But yeah, it's mixed feelings. Yeah, like I think you had to have to put this. So I think Benning probably made the decision, perhaps with Peggy. I I don't know this, but you know. 98% sure that that's where the playing list wanted to play or where... Um, uh, um, I think I heard that, but I don't know where. Yeah, uh, anyway. I, I think I, I've definitely strongly heard it as well. Um, and perhaps it's been said publicly, probably has, but whatever, it doesn't matter. I, I would just put people in Benny's situation and sort of saying to the playing group, we are going to give up what we perceive as a competitive advantage. But like mm. whether you think it's a competitive advantage or not, if... The playing group strongly feels it is because a for because we want to develop the size of the ground or to be consistent with what we've done with the men's whatever. If you start thinking through, like, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't hold up. Yeah, no, I wouldn't want to make that argument. And uh, and like, for it, this and for this group of players as well, like that, it it has been such an exciting, you know, nerve wracking. And, um, and that and, and that game unexpected we, season, yeah. and that and that game we drew, we you know that that was a draw where the other team um, missed a lot of shots of goal. Like you, you yep. can see, look, and, and so I totally, I totally understand the fans' perspective on this. I'm deeply sympathetic towards that argument. I'm also deeply sympathetic to why Benny made the decision what he did. And Nick, to finish on a positive note about this. I'm really enjoying the chippiness. I like the way that North Melbourne have been <laughs> quite quite nasty about it and quite bitchy. I'm enjoying this. It's you know sometimes, um, it, you know, AFLW that we both love. Um, it, it's sort of sometimes treated in a slightly patronising sort of um, like a community sport. This is not a community sport. They're professional athletes, and they're professional athletes where only one one team's going to keep playing the week after. And it's a bit nasty. It's a bit competitive, and you know that's part of what makes sports great. Yeah. Yeah. Look, uh, um, before we we talk some more about North, it, it has been uh, a few weeks um, since we did a show. Maybe maybe just going through some of the games quickly. The um, you know, perhaps perhaps in a, a preview of what Punt Road's going to look like. The were you impressed by uh, the Mujura Oval with its? Shiny new uh, box on one side of the ground and almost no facilities for spectators. The, the puddles look. That game was a non-event. It was against you know GWS. A terrible. The Carlton game. I want to talk about Nick. Oh, let let let's talk about GWS. Like I loved. <laughs> I love that they did it in Majura and all the Courtney Wakefield stuff was great. Um, Fair. And. Uh, Stella Reed's two goals were were awesome, and the conditions were bad. Although 
my God. I I knew instinctively that we've had a, a lot of rain, but when I saw how green Mildura was, then that, that, that was kind of shocking. But, yeah, if I had to choose between Mildura and, and Bendigo for uh, our regional games, I'd prefer Bendigo. Yeah, the thing is, look, I don't want to... You know, Richmond's got a great history with Mildura, but it's a long way to go. It's quite expensive. You got It looked like we chartered a flight. And yeah. What like it was a terrible day and yeah, it it was great that we did it. I don't know that we need to do it again. With the greatest respect to Richmond's history in Mildura, but mm. um, so I and fair point, and we won really easily. Good for us, and like it was crappy true. conditions. You know, would have brought brought them us down to their level. The Carlton game, Nick. Oh, so, you were, were you there? I was there. And, yeah, good um, times. As you may remember, um, I took. My kids and they. My son goes to lots of games. My daughter doesn't go to many games, and almost every game she's been to, we've lost. Yeah. And she's not a mad sports fan. And she was sort of sitting next to me, and we were chatting. But the more she she got into it more and more, maybe it was partly my reactions. But she, by the end, she was really invested, and it it sort of became the comeback wasn't. And they're a really brave team, as we're going to say. Like mm. they never give up, and even in the Brisbane game, they kept yeah. chipping away. That was at the Carlton game. As we all remember, was very meritorious, but it was a long time ago, so one. I, I won't go on about it, but she was so invested by the end, and maybe it was partly my reaction. And she got the excitement, and then at the end, um, when one of the twins gave her a high five, and she was getting like the players were so nice because you know there was only seventeen hundred people there, and like frankly, it's such a good atmosphere. It deserves twice yeah. the crowd it got. It's so easy. It's easy to get in and out. It's cheap. There's like decent catering options. Like, it's a really good consumer experience. Like. It, if people kind of live roughly in the area, now I get it's a long way and Princess Park is not on a train line, but there's no excuse n- not to go if you're sort of a, a casual Melbourne, a Melbourne fan in, in, mm. in the inner city. But she got, got a high five and she was so excited. Like it was such a good experience at the football and I was just so grateful that they won because it just, you know, with kids, it's so yeah. important them result. Well, and particularly, I remember you took took your son to the North Melbourne men's game, which was a low point for this yeah. season and perhaps for several years. And, and yeah, when when they'd scored 26 points before we'd had an inside 50, it wasn't, it wasn't looking great. But. No, and it was quite, it was, I was getting bad flashbacks to our first game. Um, mm. we, we, where a similar, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah thing we, happened had, and, we, and, we had a lot of hope that day too. Yeah, Prince Park. But are they really admirable? Like picking back that lead, like it, there was no, there was nothing flashy about it. it was just mm. we've got a game plan, we're sticking to it, and we're going to grind you down. And um, they're just they're a, such an admirable team. They give me such strong Richmond two thousand seventeen vibes. Now I, mm. they're probably not as good relatively, like relative to the best teams, but that's got more to do with the inequity of the competition. Oh, no, honestly, I think they've got a bit of nineteen ninety five vibes to them, like the. Yeah, that's fair. Winning, winning close games, looking looking overmatched against the best teams in the first week of the finals. Um, but but like a real, just a real belief in their structure, yeah. and they really play for each other. That they're yeah, they're absolutely. such a fun fun team to watch. Um, I just I have such admiration for them of being for. You know, I mean this in the best. I I feel like they're. I can't remember like. The reason I compare them to 2017, I can't remember Richmond teams after that that feel like they're so much more than the sum of their parts. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, 
Yeah. Um. Well, and which is on uh, uh, this week they've they've announced. Um, we had four players in the All Australian squad, so yeah, there's there's both team. Uh, there's more star talent than we've we've had before. You know, Grace Egan uh, making the All Australian squad uh, along with Sheeran. You know, the uh, two off season recruits. Um, Courtney Wakefield making it for the first time at a, at age thirty five. Um, and and of course Mon Conti, but but I think I think the the team structure and how they play for each other is probably almost as important with the the lesser lights and giving them a role where they can succeed. Yeah, completely. Sorry, I was just I was muted. I was talking at you, but I, I was <laughs> muted. Um, and look, I mean the All Australian special after the. Uh, like a little bit's just a recognition that you're better, right? But mm. it, to me, it is, you know, Sheeran, obviously, but the what's... And if you look at the... We still... You sort of look, um, and we won't individualise, but it's sort of at the bottom end of the list where in the men's, the fans are always... And I'm, I'm as guilty as I'm obsessed at the bottom of the list. But it almost doesn't matter because the thing is that they've got people they keep to their structure. You might not be a great footballer, but you stick to your you stick to your guns and you, you play your role in your team, and that and through that way they're maximising um, output. But you know, like I mean, Sheeran's well, what's everyone's talking about? But there's just so many examples of players who were slightly unfashionable who have now become valuable mm. players. Now, have you got a favorite? Now, well, for instance, one is Becky Lynch. So Becky. <laughs> Becky Lynch was someone who... Or Beth Lynch is, is her actual name. But I, sorry, I, Beth. I, I, I like Becky as a nickname. Yeah, sorry, fair enough. And But, you know, she, she came in... I, I remember early on last year that uh, the, the commentary where everyone's a star, um, that they were raving about how good she was. Well, no, she wasn't. She she wasn't good. She, no. she got, dro- she well, got she, dropped. She, she was a top-up player from... Exactly. ...delisted by another team, like you did. She was a marginal player with a famous name, and you know what? She's really bloody come on, and now she's a very, very solid player. Like, yeah. she's and like the, these are the stories. Is um, the, the, the team is full of these players who who really developed and, and increased their tradecraft, and yeah, it's great to watch. Yeah, she played eight eight games in three years for for North Melbourne. Like she was, her her career was was holding on by a thread. So yeah, and. It's great. I love I love Stella Reed. Like um I liked it before we drafted her and I think she's been hugely important um as a uh, another source of uh goals but yeah. No. It, it, uh Carlton Carlton game was deeply enjoyable. Giants game, we took care of business. Um Brisbane, Brisbane. I think the the class, the the golfing class, got to us. Although, you know, there was there was moments in the in the second quarter where I thought we could maybe hold them off, not notwithstanding a few umpiring decisions. But um, I think the the North Melbourne game is by far the most pertinent one for this weekend. Yeah. So, by the way, how do you feel about Grace Egan? Oh, hugely on board. <laughs> yeah, like she, 
I think there's a bit of recency bias, and but like you look at her last three or four weeks, she's just been killing it. Like her mm. improvement arc over the season has been um, really impressive. Yeah, so like the North game, we were minus sixteen in the inside fifties, which which was a nice. Also, almost a turnaround because something similar happened in the men's game, and so also almost <laughs> the other way. So there was a bit of a symmetry to that, and that had me really worried about this weekend until I saw what happened in the Geelong North game. Oh, which was yeah, the complete opposite. It wasn't a, well it, uh, on steroids; like it was an abomination. If you're a Geelong um, uh, uh, supporter, that they had so many shots, more shots at goal, and they just dominated the game, and North just. Like we're lucky to hang on. So, I'm my opinion of North as a team really went down. Whereas we've at least mm. fought back against Brisbane. I, I thought North was extraordinarily lucky in their final. Yeah, wait, and and Geelong, Geelong's good team. But yeah, I would have, would have feel like we would have gone in um, solid favourites uh, against them. Um, Ellie McKenzie, two goals. Um, 16 disposals and 10 coaches votes um, from when we played North. Well, that, that was so the Carlton game. So our two wins, like Conti was the star and the difference mm. in the Carlton game, and Mackenzie was clearly the, the star and the difference um, in, in the North game. You know, those in a low scoring yeah. game, like there was no equivalent to the male game. How two goals from I think both those goals, it's fair to say, were from 30 70 opportunities. Mm. Um, two goals in that circumstance is just in, incalculably valuable. So yeah, like mm. that that was that was Ellie McKenzie's like most difference making game. Like the AFL ratings will love that game, right? Oh, totally. Um, so her her and Laura McClelland are also up for for goal of the oh sorry mark of the year. And uh, one of the few highlights from the Brisbane game, not in the non Katie Brennan ca- category, was when she almost. Um, uh, tried to take a, another specky then, and then in the in the North game, uh, she almost killed a, a North Melbourne player trying to uh, with her knee in the middle of her back. So yeah, I'm, I I feel like you know that's still it's still a bit inconsistent, but oh god, her 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 best is as good as anyone's. Mon Mon Conti included, which I don't say lightly. No, absolutely. Like she, she's got the. Um, it, it's a cliche and it's a soft comparison, but she is very Lidsian in her ability, young, young lids to, mm. to 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 not always consistent, but does the game breaking move. Now mm. we are underdogs. Well, not by much though. No, mm. no, no, absolutely. But yeah, we two are... two dollars ten. I always you mentioned twenty seventeen. I always work backwards from how much we were underdogs in that game to sort of calibrate how I feel about a game. So, yeah, it's it's in the up-to-our-eyeball zone. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I'm not sure, like, I'm not sure everyone, I think there's not quite the, I, I think a, a lot of the, without the gambling markets, a lot of people would assume that we're favourites. Yeah. I mean, they've, Meg McDonald did a really good job tagging, um, Jasmine Garn- Garner last time. That's. I hope she can do that again. Um, they were missing their uh, their really rather good uh, Ruckman uh, last time in in Kim Rainey who uh, was out in health and safety protocols. So 
I mean, we've we've got Matty Chevron back who's useful, but yeah, it is. I, I I'm nervous about the game. I think it it's going to be a pretty huge effort to win. Yeah, and I think that's the thing that should be. I think the perspective that we should come into this is uh, I, I was I didn't think of this before the podcast, but it's like the Essendon final uh, in 1995. Mm. Is that it's been a great year, whether we win or lose, it, it's still been a great year. They've done really well, and if they win, it'll be amazing because, like, no doubt it'll be close, right? Yeah. And uh, we should really celebrate the win, but also if we lose, we should still look at it perspective. It's been an amazing season. It is. Yeah, it it'll still be disappointing, but yeah, it's been a it's been a great season. Um, yeah, and, and when you're playing in a league where the the team with like there's two teams with percentages at 280, like you know, yeah, um, it, it's probably not going to be your year, even though we beat one of those teams. Like, yeah, it, that, I know we've we've very clearly uh, left left the other expansion teams who came in around the same time as us uh, behind. Although, I mean. I suppose we'll Geelong's. Yeah, we'll see what Geelong's. Uh, uh, Geelong's been good, but yeah, it, it's been a great year. Um, yeah, uh, and it's great. It's it great. It's still going. Yeah. Um, look, before we finish with the uh, the women, um, I just wanted to shout out um, Alice Alice Edmonds, um, former Tiger, um, went to the. Went to the Bulldogs um, and led led the league in hitouts and made the All Australian squad. Hurts a little bit, right? A little bit. Gabby Gabby Seymour um, was uh, sixth in the league in hitouts and you know had uh, nearly fifty percent more disposals. So you know it only hurts so much. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. But yeah. No. Good point. And she's done well. Um, yeah, Phoebe Phoebe Monaghan on the weekend twinged a bit as well, but yeah. Oh, um, by the way, Nick uh, Sabs has kicked two eight for the season, so um, yeah, you're probably pretty glad that. Um, <laughs> yeah, fine. <laughs> so, I've yeah, not not quite as warm and fuzzy towards Sabs. Yeah. Moving on, moving on. Um, so yeah, we um for the men there is almost no news. Um, unless you like um, hearing then, about footballers and the racehorses they own. True. Well, I mean, I, I'm always I, I've been following Ivan Soto's social media and sort of analysing <laughs> and doing a mud map of his friendship relationships within his within the club, and he, um, yeah, he's very close with Dion Prestia, clearly. But uh, uh, Paddy Nash gets a, a, a big run. I know but... he's he's clearly mates <laughs> mates with the guys. Uh, and they're all over in Queenstown at the moment, having a good time with caps. You know, good on them. But not that I'm stalking them, but, you know, <laughs> I just notice. Yeah. Um, the I've, I've started doing my draft research, although trying to research players will be available in the 50s. Ugh. Yeah. It's real. Uh, key, key. Researching the... The fifth through tenth best key forwards in the draft is is, is kind of grim, actually. Yeah, because let's face it, there's a decent chance that the person on Big Footy writing the scouting profile is that person's father. Yeah. 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 Anyway, look, the the draft's in a in a couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, I hope we start to get linked to to a couple of players. But yeah, yeah, it's. 
it's an unusual year. Is there a type um, you want? Oh, look, the the two types that really stick out to me, I mean, you know, Matty Clark talked about it, um, but key, key forwards and an obvious need. Um, another one I'd like is a, is a sort of Dylan Grimes type player, because you can, that, that sort of third, third tall defender who's, who's quick and can play on short and tall players and doesn't get the vault, the ball very much sort of, you know, Dylan Grimes when he was drafted, you know, didn't get drafted at all in the national draft. Yeah. Sort of, there's a, there's a couple of guys I got my eye on for that type of player. Cause yeah, I think, I think we do need that, that type of player on the team. Yeah. We've had marvelous success at drafting good athletes who have massive flaws as footballers or, Great footballers who have massive flaws of athletes, um, not in the speed sense, but maybe been far too short. Um, so, so, so one example of that is George, who's been a magnificently successful um, hmm. uh, pickup, and another example is Baker. Like they, you know, they, you could fit through if they put four people in both those categories. I want people at those ends. Um, hmm. You know, I, I don't want someone who's a well-rounded footballer in the pick fifties because then, you know, it's just hard to make it. Like I, um, but look. It's early days, and I, we will do the draft preview properly, and uh, probably with mm. the, the second half or the second third of uh, the probably, play review. Probably second third, I reckon, and, and then we'll we'll finish off the last third after after yeah for a for a draft recap show. All right, good plan. So shall we, shall we commence? We're we're thirty minutes in, and all uh, right. Uh, so the annual player review, um, and we're yep. just. We're just spicing it up this year by adding a little wrinkle because, frankly, doing this is quite a lot of uh, stat, stats trolling. But is is just to make to sort of make us think analytically and have a point to debate is that did a player exceed, meet or underperform your preseason expectation? So it, it's part about our expectation for a player, not just you, you know. Obviously, we love Richmond and every player is great, but. Mm. Um, you know what in our head preseason? What did we think? So, like, I enjoyed it because I enjoyed thinking about certain players that I I have yep. preconceived notions on them. How did my preconceived notions change? So, with that overly long expl- explanation, shall we go in reverse alphabetical or alphabetical? Because you're first. Because um, if we do um, normal alphabetical, okay. Well, let, let's do normal uh, alphabetical. Although it's not. It's not the most exciting place to start, but I feel like you've got to work up to Ivan Zoldo. Um, but J cards, uh, I think, I don't know, honestly, he completely met my expectations uh, for the season. Maybe, maybe, uh, I don't know, probably actually a bit of a disappointment looking at it. You know, he was a substitute for five out of the seven games he played, whereas... Last year he had eighteen goals in in twenty one games, um, but but really it's sort of missing the point of, you know, he he debuted when he was twenty five uh, years old, like he um he made a, a an AFL career out of extremely unlikely um, circumstances and seems to have been a really well regarded member of the team and you know. I don't know. Wish him, wish him well with whatever's next. So, and don't worry, I'm not going to do this on every player. I have a sizzling t- hot take on arts. And yeah. So, 
I agree with like in some ways he exceeded my expectations of him this year um, it, as much discussed. But this is the thing is that you and I instinctively, because we're stats nerdy people and we don't believe in the veteran players uh, are good in um, like uh, amongst the stats nerd community, there's a basic belief that the veteran players are good in big games or clutch games or are good in the clutch is basically a myth that basically good players are good in the clutch clutch and good players tend to have long careers. So that's why there's this sort of myth that um, veteran players are good in the clutch. So that's what we think. So we didn't expect Jake Arts to necessarily be have really good decision-making in key moments. We expect his decision-making to be at the same level all the time. I don't think that's... I don't think it was in the Jake Arts playbook that he wasn't clutch in that North game. I think that that was a mistake. You know, coaches have to coach that veteran players will make good decision-making in good moments. And I think that was... While that didn't surprise us because, you know, we believe in the variation of sport, I think that, um, you know, in many ways, I mind Jake Hartz, but the way the way it ended was those last two minutes because Dimmer didn't pick him again after the North game. Mm. That, that was that was the brutality of professional sport. Yeah. Moving on, Baker. <laughs> Don't worry, that's the that's the strong. It's not like that. It's just the arts came first. Um, so Baker was Baker was slightly challenging, I have to admit, because he played every game and statistically he looked very similar to last year. Yeah. Um. So all disposal, sort of the, all the counting stats were were, a few, were yeah, a few more goals, just slightly less of the ball, probably because he uh, spent a bit more time. Uh, forward. Yeah, and his contested stats were down slightly. Um, he, he got more, um, like, I don't think this is a meaningful stat, but I, I think this is a sign of just, he became more famous. He, he doubled his Brownlow votes up to six. <laughs> um, uh, but that's not nothing. Yeah, he had a couple of weeks in a row where the, he got coaches' votes. Yeah, like, he, he still, and he sort of flirted in the top 100 of the AFL ratings. Um, I think the one thing we can say for sure is he's now had two years in a row where he's flirted with being uh, in, um, a centre squared player at times, and he's at both both seasons he's averaged exactly 1.4 clearances a game, and he's 72 kilos. <laughs> yeah. he's, he is what he is. What he is is a very useful uh, pocket flank player, but uh, I, I think it's time to give up. Uh, it... it you know, I'm, I'm not, I think this well, is a, a straw man argument, but, I, you yeah. know, he's, he's never going to be a center clearance player. Well, and a team that's just added Jacob Hopper and Tim Taranto doesn't need him as a center square player. No, and, like, he, he wasn't, you know, he, he was very low down the, even on the existing list of, of the best options. But that said, I think he, I think there is... I can't see a take where this isn't he exactly met expectations, mm. unless your expectations oh, are realistic. No, no. no. Um, uh, I love having him on the team. I really enjoyed we re-signed him for, for a couple of years um, when, when he had uh, interest from Western Australian clubs, uh, apparently, and I like that... Um, He's not going to be a free agent next time he's out of contract. Yeah, but that, that, that will that will come up in another player I'm doing. But anyway, you're next. Noah Bolter. If you just just sort of look at his counting stats, you know he had slightly less of the ball, but he spent more time forward, kicked thirteen goals, 
for the season. And yet, I I would have him in the disappointment category, and you can't on paper really point to a reason why. And I don't know if that's the residual of him not punching the ball through in the last minute of the final against the Lions. No, that, you've been that, no, you're exactly right. I think you, you, you're being. Like, when someone's that athletically talented, you naturally project an upward graph, and especially him as a forward. Like, he spent long periods being... When he went back to the back line and sort of things became simple again, it all made sense again, and that's how mm. he finished this season, and, you know, one bad moment aside. But there were, there were a lot of ineffectual moments forward where, you know, it, we... The, the the upside case for his athleticism, he might have done better, and he, he sort of it looks more likely that he is what he is. He is what he was. Like he's already a premiership player, but he's he hasn't progressed much more beyond that what he was when he was twenty one. Which doesn't mean he's a bad player, but I think it's fair to say he underperformed most Richmond supporters' expectations because they expected more. Yeah, which which is why I wanted to have this, why I set this up for this debate because it is, mm. you know, it's, it's easier to say yeah, he's quite a good centre half back and that's his position, but yeah, it's true that we probably were hoping more, and Dim yeah. was clearly hoping more. Yeah, you know, twenty twenty two year old played his fiftieth game this year. Yeah, I, you know, quite reasonable to expect him to be better, but yeah, the 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 one on he's got to get better at the one on one. Uh, stuff because you know he's got a body from God. There's no, there's no reason for him to get pushed out of the way ever. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, we we probably in our heart of hearts we probably expected him to win one or two games off his own boot this game year. Mm. Like you know, it's a high expectation. But as you say, he's an athlete from God. All right, um, this isn't a very exciting one, Nick Banks. Um, so played 17 games in the VFL. Yeah. Um, uh, 16, 16 disposals a game, but best game was his last one. Um, mm. we had twenty six. Move forward as the season uh went on. Um, you know, I think it, did he get selected as emergency? Yes, he did. Oh, did he? Oh, I yeah. normally know this. Yeah, I think he did. Um, yeah. anyway, he's got a deep, like few highlights. Actually, right? no, no, he didn't. Uh. But I think you know. Oh no, he, got, he did. Sorry, Brown didn't. Yeah, so he got the contract extension. But yeah, I, I, two two year contract extension. But I, I think he, I think he did just say that's part. Like he met expectations, exceeding expectations of being getting senior games. He could get a kick in the VFL. Yeah, he li- he passed the eye test. Like he he covered ground. Um, he looks like the kind of guy who's going to enjoy playing at the MCG. Like just with his. Athleticism and and speed, um, yeah, consistency was a was a bit of a challenge. He did he he of all the the players drafted had had a pretty uh, interrupted uh, year when he was eighteen, um, you know, and then the year before was was COVID. So yeah, he I think it would have been reasonable for him him to probably be, have. Um, an even patchier year than the one he did, but yeah, yeah. Um, Keep... l- l- let's hold on to them because uh, Brown's an interesting comparison. So 
but um, I'll come back to them in a few players' time. So who's your next? Mm. Um, Jacob Bauer next. Um, and he's he's a definite exceeded expectations because obviously you don't have very many expectations of uh, mid-season draft picks. Well, normally um, uh, other clubs probably don't have very, very many expectations for their mid-season draft picks. We've probably set the, bit, the bar a bit higher, but um, I really liked him. I uh, have spent a bit of time in the off-season looking at uh, VFL footage of Jacob Bauer to try and get a sense of how much he's in our future, but yeah, I like him. Oh, that's reassuring. Good. Um, do you want to just Don't... explain a little bit why you like him? Uh, he's... If you squint, you can see a homeless person's uh, Jack Gunston. Right? He's got long arms, good hands, reads the flight of the ball, um, nice set shot route routine. Although his accuracy was was only so so, um, and he his stats were uh, a bit better in the VFL than they were in the Sandful, playing in a better competition. Like, uh, yeah, I thought. Thought that was uh, was worth noting. Um, he needs to put on weight, uh, and he needs to get really fit uh, to be able to cover cover the ground. But yeah, apparently he came up in discussion at selection. Um, I think um, Xavier Clark mentioned. So yeah, like him. Glad glad he's on board. Okay, good. So the next player I think is going to be pretty easy to cover. Um, Bolton, uh, obvious star year, uh, by far Richmond's best player in the AFL ratings, came 15th. Um, and it, this is a little bit of a junky stat, but he's the best player under 25 in the AFL rating, ratings. Sure. Yeah. Um, nice. So uh, the reason I say it's junky is if, if you go up one more year that uh, uh, Oliver's there and a few other, like, you know, number one. Yeah. So, but in pure attacking mids, to me, the that's where the AFL ratings is its purest best. So if you want to win an argument with a mate about who's the best player under 25 in, in the AFL, according to a PhD back science, not some, you know, wanky um, uh, fantasy football measure, it, it is bolted. Um, obviously, the, the Fane's going up. He got the Brownlow votes. Uh, he's a star. Richmond players love him. And I think it's important to remember because, you know, he, he's... He, the position is inherently variable, but yeah, he was um, he was by the AFL ratings, he was by far our best player and the 15th best in the AFL. And although he has been very good on the, the, the ratings, do have always liked him. This was a clear uptick in performance mm. improvement, and yep. I don't think there's a Richmond supporter around who wouldn't say that they. Like, it's really hard to argue that he didn't exceed expectations. Oh, and he, yeah, and he, uh, he's so exciting to watch, you know. Absolutely, just just incredible. He was very good last year uh, as well. But well, look, yeah. look, he, he arguably was a, a a key a key figure in our last premiership. So it's you know, it's, but yeah. there's the still the statistical evidence is a significant uptick in overall contribution over a season long effort. Yeah, like he, he's he's although he can be inconsistent, he's a driver. He's not just a cameo player. Yeah, uh, top. Uh... Five in the AFL in uh, bounces and score involvements. Um, yeah, so, so score involvements pretty like you're getting close to the correlation to the uh, AFL ratings. But anyway, um, mm. so 
slightly disappointing in the final. Um, that would be my only, and and he still kicked a couple of really nice goals. No, absolutely, and you know he does have disappointing games, but that's sort of why. He, look, he, he's not Dusty. He doesn't have the frame. He can't. Oi, Dusty has multiple ways to win. Shea is not born with mm. quite doesn't quite have quite the the as many clubs in his bag as Dusty does. But you know, mm. the, the empirical measures are that relative to other players like him in the AFL, he's extremely good. Yep. And uh, I was very reassured that um, we're talking about a contract extension. It's going to be tough. But anyway, moving on, next player. Well, that that they mentioned they were talking, I think, was was encouraging. Um, you know, because the, the opposite is <laughs> when you when you hear the opposite of... Oh, no, no, we're not looking at a contract extension now. We just want to play out the season and see what happens at the end. You know? Yeah, uh, that, 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 that happens in six months' time if the, the talks don't go well. They, they wouldn't be, at this point in the season, they're, they're, never, they're never saying this. That, that, that the club was um, happy to say they're talking about it. It says to me that they're, they've, they're not going terribly. Well, they don't. He, he has a grown-up. He has a grown-up manager. I, I'm... Yeah, with with whom we have a good relationship. Like that, yeah. that, that uh, makes me feel better. Um, Nathan Broad, kind of another player where I feel it's a challenging to to say something um, really novel. <laughs> um, good, good player had good season. Um, almost completely in line with our expectations. <laughs> I don't know. What, what do you say about him? I, I don't think there's any reason to like the fact he, he was still relatively durable and important. Mm. I, I think that's uh, noteworthy, and um, I'm quite happy to move on to George. Mm. He, is, um, he was second in the team in rebound 50s, and I'd honestly like that number to come down a bit. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Um his ability, you know, I've I've got annoyed in in years past when Dimas used him overly as a as an outlet kick, and he's actually done better mm. in that role than I expected. So I'm sort of back in my box on that. But yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, um, the uh, he's you know he turns thirty um next year um heading into the last year of his. Contract, but yeah, I don't feel like I think he's he's not someone I'm too worried. He's too close to the end. No, I agree. Mm. So George Nick, yeah. So I have a soft spot for him. Like you know, we like to bag him, but I appreciate yep. the people who love George. There's a there's a joy to his football. Yeah, but this is a very hard under on the expectations. It was a tough season. So he played. So he broke the he broke the dimmer wall and then he finally got dropped. Played six matches in the AFL. Yeah. Um, after, and, after oh, sorry, in the VFL. All the, um, and in the vet all the time we talked about him potentially getting dropped in. Um, uh, he did uh, uh, last year. Um, he had some time as the, the substitute uh, as well, but yeah. In the VFL, he wasn't terrible. I had disposals, five tackles, a goal, playing the forward line. He was fine. In the seniors, he kicked zero goals, eight. Um, 
he was a sub three times, so his averages are pretty meaningless. But he got two touches in one game where he, he played the full game. Uh, he was in single digits multiple times. It was wor- when I looked at the numbers, it was worse than I actually thought his season was. Yeah, the Suns game was bad. Yeah, uh, there was it was there was really he's twenty six. He is um, he is at a crossroads. Um, yeah, and it, it gives me no joy to to say that. Like it's not it's it, you know no. George, the the fact I mean, that the, the fact that George is a three time Premiership player is part of the magic of Richmond. But yeah, yeah. And yet we were quite rightly talking about what a good start he had to the season, right? Yeah. He can he, he can certainly bounce back. Um, I have no hesitation about that, but... Um, well, everything is... It will get harder. Yeah, it'll get harder. And, you know, Jud- Judson Clark, um, yeah, who's uh, next... Uh, Oh, how did we skip through to uh, George? I'm sorry, did I miss someone? I, I just used the list. Uh, you were up to Tom Brown. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, do you want to do someone in between? Just so Well, oh, Caddy, Caddy's in between. Okay. Um, I'm not sure what, what else you can say about Josh Caddy that we we haven't said uh, before earlier. Earlier in the season, um, you know, he only he only had two VFL uh, games for the year. I sort of, I tried, had, you know, he he was young, he was younger than nearly half the Geelong Premiership team. I, I do I do feel um, for him uh, that you know how how quickly the ends come on his career. But yeah, on the other hand. You know, for a guy who played at three clubs, he's an absolutely beloved Tiger and will make ri- Richmond players, Richmond fans happy every time we see him for the rest of his life. So, yeah, it could be worse. Yeah, look, I, I don't think there's... Cats will be beloved. And I, I, I just... I, I remember watching him in a preseason game, just seeing he lacked half a step. It's just, you know, for all the... All the crap we talk about this game. If you don't have the wheels, you don't have it. And yeah. uh, he, he lost it. Um, he was on the line, and uh, either the game got half a step faster, or he got half a step slower. Um, so Brown, maybe, maybe a bit of both. Um, yeah, so, so it's a full step in total. Uh, so Brown, sixteen games in the VFL. Yeah, he cracked twenty disposals four time without really dominating. Didn't have a great tackling season. Um, had... No, he w- he was playing as a defender the whole time, and they tend not to have big. But um, he, he, it's always a red flag for me when they have zero tackles in a game, <laughs> which he had twice, um, and sort of a lot of games with fairly low numbers. So, and towards the end, I think we moved him forward, and he he found found a bit difficult to get. That the ball, so yeah, look, not a, look, not a natural forward. I would, um, you know, you look at um, Nathan Nathan Broad, who we just finished saying what a good player he is. He's averaged barely uh, one tackle uh, per game in the last couple of years. Like it is, 
slightly it's different player, though. Slightly different, but only just. Um, but that's, it, it, that, that just is something, and he, he is playing at, at, at a lower well, level. Well, he's, he's not a... Yeah. It's, what, it's one of those things that translates. Um, he is... Neither he nor Nathan Broad uh, are key defenders, and um, Brown Brown can play up, like in, in, can play taller. Because uh, my God, has he? He he's another guy. You when you watch the VFL, like his sheer level of athleticism uh, stands out. Um, the consistency, as he mentions, a challenge, but. Oh, he's a he's a nice athlete. I I mean, he was a late first round draft pick, so you probably expect that. But yeah, he, and another guy, apparently well well regarded in in the club. Um, yeah, right. It was it was a, it was a pass mark uh, for me. Yeah, look, I rated him in pass two, but you know, if, if you're going to do this honestly, I, when I looked through his numbers, I thought I was disappointed. And I still wrote him a pass because it's 18 years old. He had an injury during the year. But if you'd if you'd swapped, knowing where they were drafted, knowing that we had two players, Banks and Brown, and looking at their profile, I would have presumed that the that Banks was the higher drafted one. I just that mm. there, were, there were oh look, there wasn't not that much difference between the two. And honestly, they both they both stood out for. For sheer level of athleticism in but, in VFL games, but you know, if I'm gonna say anything more, I have I have to review them and like, yeah, it was, but I'm I'm still giving it a flat pass mark, but yeah, like it it was. There's a lot, there's a lot more to go. Hmm. Yeah. Um. Next play. Oh uh, well, speaking of. Uh... Draftees uh, Judson Clark, who you know was uh, yeah, he's a he's a really exciting player. He was as as up and down as almost anyone on the list, even even in the uh, VFL. He had a really uh, exciting start to his AFL AFL uh, career. Um, Played a couple of games, which you know, no, no small effort from a guy weighing sixty-nine uh, kilos. Um, yeah, uh, that that he played at all was was a pretty good effort. Um, and yeah, uh, again, you know, his his stats were uh, good but not great. But. Whew, Go and go and have a look at the highlights from the the last round of the VFL. Like he he's he's a seriously talented kid if he can um, get more consistent in in you know getting to the right spots. Because yeah, um, fun fun player. Yeah, I, I love him. Um, he didn't exceed my expectations though. Um, because, like, you completely see how the way Demo coaches that he would have got a couple of games in his in his first year. Um, but yeah, I, I love him. I, I love his elite athleticism and uh, what he can potentially do in the game plan long, long term. And you know, I, I quite liked his his brief stand in the mm. seasons. Um, 
podcast. I'm just I'm being careful though because you know Nick, one of my pet hates is um is American podcast where every every player is good uh, and every team's good. So I'm I'm trying to balance my overs and unders and, and yes. Um, so next player is an under. Um, really? Is, yeah, it's a bit harsh. Um, it is a bit harsh. But like, like, like I got to do like if you're going to do this with integrity, you can either just say everyone's good and we love Richmond, but I expect more from Kalina. Oh, I didn't. He <laughs> hadn't played football in six years. But he, he's, he played. He's he's the tallest. Uh, he's the tallest player, uh, potentially to to ever play AFL football. He came fairly um, quickly from playing another sport, um, and he while he played some AFL, he never played it. At a particularly high high level, like um, yeah, this was this was uh, he's he's the type of player that it's unfortunate um that they don't have VFL reserves anymore because that's that's the level um he needed to play at. Right. Yeah, but he did average less than one mark and under five headouts a game. Like, like that's like at times we were using him as our key forward, um, uh, sort of in the Tom Lynch role. Yeah, like. Like in the context of that, this is a podcast where we're not on Fox Footy here. That everyone listening to this likes Richmond players. Um, I would have, and and you know, we still got great hopes for Kalinas. Um, that I I would. Oh look, he is he is a giant question mark. Like <laughs> it, 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 it was, but but and, and you know I love no, Rockman, but um, yeah. I, I, I to be honest, like just the, uh, my expectations were low, and um, they were very low, and he came in ten percent under them. But that doesn't mean he won't be good. I'm just the, the point of the exercise is to be honest about what our expectations were, and I was hoping, and a few of his late season rucking contests, I, I didn't know what he was doing. Um, and it's going to take a while, but it doesn't mean it won't come. I'm I'm just honestly saying what I thought of his season. I'm not, yeah, I'm, I'm not I, running I, him off. I, I suppose I'm saying in reply that I had no expectations whatsoever of him being able to contribute coming in under those circumstances. Like, um, I think we'll we'll learn a lot more next season when he's had a he's had a proper uh, preseason and. You know, he's been a full-time footballer for the first time ever. So, yeah. Next play. Riley Colley-Dawkins. We talked about him yeah. uh, before when he was delisted. Yeah, definite, definitely a disappointment, unfortunately. Um, uh, particularly after, you know, certainly had some had some encouraging moments last year, but only only played the the two games in the season in the seniors. You know, was still you know, was very good in the uh, at times in the in the VFL, um yeah, particularly towards the end of the year, but yeah. Yeah. It's a shame. I I really wanted him to to make it. I haven't Heard of him being picked up as a delisted free agent, but yeah, I, don't, I hope he gets another go somewhere. Yeah, we discussed it before. We don't need to discuss it again. I have 
less warm feelings towards him than some other delisted players, but I still have warm feelings towards mm. him. Oh, look, you know, hate, hate seeing young players getting delisted. Oh, one thousand 1,000%. I, I'm more sympathetic towards people like Will Martin, who just clearly didn't have the athletic ability, though. Yeah, next player, Cochin. Mm. So to me, he's an over. Um, yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Uh, well, no, look, the case is really good. Um, on the counting stats, it's his best season since 18. No, no, I'm not disagreeing with you. <laughs> No, I'm just, but I'm just like, like the, the case is Sorry. stronger than, than people realise. Like, um, uh, like the like the problem with Cochin in some in some ways, his fame has exceeded his actual on field production in the Premiership years because of his legendary leadership ability, which no one's disputing. But this is best season, most games, most contested possessions, most centre clearances, um, I think most base possessions as well since. 2018, which is quite a long time ago, and he's th- he was turned 32 this year. Um, he, hmm. he he's not he's not killing it in the top 100. Like he's like if he's your second best midfielder, you've got trouble. But he he by any reasonable measure, if a 32 year old mid and you looked at his sort of last three years where he struggled to get on the pitch and he's been sort of um, playing a quite a defensive role, he, he stepped up this year and he, he showed a second hmm. gear and uh, like. Giving up the captaincy was actually, you know, maybe it's coincidence. We on this podcast don't put great stock in this kind of thing, but giving up the captaincy did seem to help his mm. game. Yeah, gave him more time to focus on his football and um, his paid Instagram promotions. His social um, media is less weird this offseason. He <laughs> does seem to be becoming a bit like it. You almost feel the person that he is. Like you know, it's it's. Mm. Um, for those who are also American football fans, he, now that he's showing a bit more of himself, he's a bit less Russell Wilson-like and, you know, a bit more like just a, a normal, <laughs> handsome football Dang. star Dang who married his childhood, yeah. childhood sweetheart. 11th in the AFL in goal assists again. I wouldn't have picked that. I don't like goal assists as that, but, you know, we digress. No, but it's not, it's not nothing. Um... Because you're thinking about, like, uh, for next season, he's he's very much going to have to be a, a complementary mid and being able to, as we saw with Wayne Wayne Campbell, but being able to dispose the ball really well inside inside f- football does does help to make you useful even even in your twilight years. Mm. Problem with goals is, is it's a bit like the sack hut. Sax Harris measure in NFL, sorry, it's a very exclusionary thing, but because it's so high variance, because um, it's the, it's, the a, it's a small number, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a small number. Still... But um, I've first got involvement, but we digress. Um, the, the point is, he at thirty-two years old, he had a he had a a, a, a good season. Yeah. He certainly exceeded my expectations. If yeah. you had realistic expectations, um, I think he exceeded them. Anyway, next play. Oh, I'm I'm done. We're, oh, we're, up, we're up. We're up to Noah Cumberland, but yeah, uh, that's that's my third. You stopped researching before you did Noah Cumberland. That would have been a fun one. Oh, I know. I don't. Hey, actually, see, he's someone I've watched a bit of highlights on in the off season already. Yeah, he's so much fun. Anyway, I guess we'll, there's a point. How much can you? Anyway, we'll, we'll come to it. But we'll, we'll, t- we'll talk about him next time. Yeah, it'll be a challenge though, because some players are easier to get new spins on than others. 
Yeah, uh, the... Oh, look, we can, we can talk, talk about him, uh, if you want. But, yeah, he, look, he, he, he got a lot of, um, uh, attention during the season. Um, but, yeah, uh, rightly so. Like, he, uh, he really came, he really came from, from nowhere, um, like, you know, he literally got delisted and then relisted uh, a year ago, and that was because, you know, he's he'd had a knee reconstruction and he'd come back and he'd been only only a useful player uh, in the VFL, um, and then, you know, he worked he worked really hard. Um, he became uh, first half of the season. He was a real impact player. Uh, in the VFL, and then, God, I loved watching him in the seniors. Like, I don't, I don't know how you how you quantify that, but uh, it it was great. What well, well, um, Nick? He he did sort of single handedly lead the single the comeback against Brisbane, and he kicked really accurately for goal. Like it's it's, not, well, it's, it's but, but, of course you loved him. He, um, he, he averaged two goals, uh, two more more than two goals a game in both the VFL and and the seniors. Oh no, no, he's amazing. The thing that yeah. now now we're talking about him, and we talked about him during the regular season. The thing that makes me think is, mm. you know how you often think about when you're making assessments. Oh, they see these guys train, so like they know so much more about him. And like as you said, like he didn't play that much in the like he he basically got delisted pretty short, pretty shortly after his um his ACL, and it sort of makes you want like. Are they actually learning that much from training? Because, like, it seemed like so much of the discovery of him being a good player happened in the seniors. Like that, that they clearly had. Oh no, he he'd, he'd won a uh, he won a VFL game down in Geelong, I think. Like he he re, he was much better in the VFL this year than he was it, last year. Yes, but this year. But the point is, where he got so. Why did he get delisted? Mm. And like, he didn't get. He, he didn't have that moment in the VFL, like, but he actually had some quite good VFL games. But they clearly didn't know from watching training and pre ACL that he was going to become what he did. Like, it, it's just interesting that the inf- yeah. inf- information wasn't that valuable. Well, like, he was he was always a bit raw. It, you know, he was he was, but, he was but, in the Lions Lions Academy for years, and they decide and they didn't match a, a bit for him, so they they didn't know what they had, and you know, yeah. we we clearly didn't know either and he got better but, no, no but like that i'm agreeing like i'm not criticizing the club i'm just saying like it's interesting that um we would we always assume that there is a privileged inside of information but watching training and watching someone walk every day and uh there is still just sometimes like absolutely if you put the tree serum in in Blair or Dimmer, like there's no way they expected um, the way they bought on Noah. Like yeah. he's he's vastly, you know, we talk yeah. about exceeding expectations. He vastly exceeded oh, ex- and expectations, it, and, it, and it, it's what it what it made um, this season, the end of this season, so much more fun than the end of the year before. Just seeing guys uh, like like Cumberland, like Rioli, like Sonzi, just coming in and do stuff that you didn't, uh, that you hadn't seen before. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, we are, we are over the hour mark. <laughs> we 
we, we need to finish up. Do you want do you want to do one more or call it quits? You're still on mute. Uh, sorry, my hang on. Just don't just keep let me I'll have to oil edit this now. Shit. Let, let's finish. Oh, oh hang on. Oh, oh, Dow's next. That'll probably be a debate. No, yeah, let's yeah. finish. Yes, Nick, uh, I think that's enough. Um, Noah's a good, happy... He, oh, he, so he's much an And And the, the next guy is Dow, which is a bit more of a nuanced and... Hmm. Yeah, we need, to, we need to work through our feelings on that one. Conversation. I have... And it's funny is that I had strong takes on arts and I had strong takes on Dow as well. So, um, uh, yeah, I I don't know. Up and down. Like you probably, you probably won't, um, you probably want to play the contrary on them, but there's nothing, there's nothing revolutionary in them. But yeah, I think that was a great discussion. Um, I hope people enjoyed it. Yeah. And we'll, we'll do another show, um, in about two weeks. Um, Look, uh, ideally, yeah, we'll, we'll see if we win. Uh, no, we'll do it. Uh, if we're going to do a, a show before the draft, it has to be in the next two weeks. <laughs> no, no, I mean, but if oh, if we, next if, week, yeah, yeah if, 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 if we win, if we beat North, yeah, 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 that, that'd like, be super. super. Yeah, yeah, prelim final would be super fun. I'm Nick. I'm Andy. Richmond Tiger Talk. It starts with a vision. We're not locked into that. Might as well pack up and go home. You're talking about three flags by 2020. Fitzroy has played in my files with you guys. And after 13 straight losses, the Tigers are no longer toothless. Their first win for 2010. Carl Hunt. Look at Jeffrey. He does. Carlton along the way to Sydney. West on to kick a goal from here. He does. What a start. Can he just slow? He's gone. First preliminary final in 16 long years, and they have done it. They've won. The Tigers are into the prelim. Tigers.